knowing that God is more than enough. El Shaddai, Father, the all-sufficient one. Father, you are Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides, Father. You are Jehovah Rapha, Father, the one who heals. Father, you are the great covenant God of Israel. You provide over and above, Father, what we need. There is no lack or no shortage in you, Father. If we live in you, Father, then we can live an abundant life. You said that you came that we might have life, Father, but not just life, Father. You said that we might that you came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Father, we thank you. We will remove the restraints on you, Father. We will stop constraining you in our heart and our minds, Father, and our words. We will declare that you are the God of the overflow, that you are the God of, of the more than enough, the God of the exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think, the God of the abundant life. Father, we thank you. And Lord, if you are the God that's more than enough, the abundant God, then there is an abundance of healing available to us. There is an abundance of, of, of freedom from sickness and disease, Father, in you. There is an abundance of health, Father. Father, you are not a stingy God. You are not the God who is barely enough. Father, we thank you. We choose, Father, to live the abundant life. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy, Father. Thank you for watching over us. And Father, we give you all praise and honor for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. You know that uh, living in the overflow is really a take off of uh, the 23rd Psalm. And there's only six verses in the 23rd Psalm, so I thought I'd just read them, you know. Uh, it starts out with, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And you can preach a long time just on that one particular verse right there, right? And in my notes, I always put in extra, um, extra translations that, that help me understand that. One translation says, therefore I can lack nothing. One translation says, I will not be without any good thing. If the Lord is your shepherd, I mean, that's if you think about what a shepherd does for his sheep. You know, you ever see, see any sheep on the side of the road with a little... Uh, uh, can uh, begging for food or grass or something from somebody else no the shepherd provides everything for them amen he maketh me to lie down in green pastures not dry dusty you know barren wastelands but in green pastures he leadeth me beside the still waters he restoreth my soul well that right there you know how many people's soul their mind their will and emotions need to be restored he leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake it's so hard being a Christian. Well, all you got to do is just go where you're told to go. Do what you're told to do. Say what you're told to say. How hard is that, you know? You know, it's funny because in, in a lot of people's mentality, they want to live a life where they never have any personal responsibility. They want somebody to tell them what to do all their life. And a lot of people, you know, they even have career goals. More than anything else, I, I hope that I can get on disability check. That way I never have to work. I never have to do anything. I can just sit there and just somebody else do for me. And yet the Lord's already done that. You know, all of us are on disability with the Lord, right? Uh, aren't we all disabled compared to the Lord? All of us need a lot of help compared to the Lord. 
well, he's already provided for us in, in an entirety. Uh, and, um, but, you know, some people will fight for years. You know, people that go to get, uh, attorneys, and I'm a, you know, I don't care, you know, do what you're going to do, but they'll get attorneys to hire law firms to go and sue the government on their behalf to get on disability. Uh, and they'll put a lot of work into it to achieve that goal, and yet the Lord's already provided for us. All we've got to do is walk the path that's given to us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I, I will fear no evil. Uh, well, don't we, all the days of our life, walk through the valley, uh, valley of the shadow of death? Death is all around us. Amen. Everywhere we go, every, every step we take, there is death all around us. And yet, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Well, why, why do I not have to fear evil? Because he's with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, the rod and the staff are the tools that the shepherd used to protect the sheep. Amen. Now, you think the Lord's not going to bring to bear all of his power to protect us if there is an enemy coming against us? Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. You know, some people, I, I can't eat. There's an enemy there. Uh, you know, I've lost all my appetite. Well, what's the, what, what is he implying? That if, if, uh, if the table is there, we eat. Right. What if there's an enemy? That's a good time to eat. Because yeah. he's not eating. He didn't prepare the table for the enemy. He prepared the table for you. Yeah. So you eat that chicken leg right there in front of, the, in front of the, uh, the enemy there. Hey, you want some chicken? No, you can't have any. Sorry, it's mine, right? Um, well, why can we do that? Because he did that. He prepared the table for us in the presence of mine. Well, he's talking about this is on the earth. Are there any, any enemies in heaven? So this is not talking about heaven when you die and all is well. This is on the earth today, right now. He prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. That's where that song, you know, living in the overflow. That's where we're living, right? Well, we don't want to be wasteful. Uh, well, who made your cup to run over? God did, right? Uh, and so, you know, it's not... Uh, uh, some, some Christians are always thinking that God's barely getting along, uh, you know, that he doesn't want you to prosper, you know. And that's, a, that's a, the dumbest. I never have understood why, why somebody thinks God doesn't want you to prosper. Never have understood that. In, in what scenario would the God who owns everything not want his own children to not prosper and be comfortable in his life? Because we're only here to advance his kingdom. If we have no finances to do that, if we can't even eat and feed ourselves and care for ourselves... Uh, you know, I remember one time somebody was just railing against the prosperity message. Just railing, you know, it's all ungodly, you know, all the people, these rich preachers are always wanting to get everything out of your money, out of your pocket, you know, and they're all wrong. You know, God, you know that's not a valid gospel uh, doctrine of, of prosperity. And then they went right into, you know, last week, uh, the Lord has blessed me so much. So-and-so gave me this thing, and so-and-so gave me that thing, and so-and-so gave me this, and so-and-so gave me that. I'm thinking, well, you believe in everybody else's prosperity to give you things. But you don't believe in prosperity for yourself to give anybody else anything. Because if I'm prosperous, you know, if I'm, a, if I'm a prosperous and wise, what am I going to do? I'm going to give stuff to people, right? I'm going to give them money. I'm going to give them clothes. I'm going to give them food. I'm going to give them things because I'm prosperous. If my cup's running over, you know, uh, what are you going to do with it? You're going to keep it all hoarded to yourself or you're just going to be flooded out, right? Now, best thing to do is if your cup's running over, give it away. Amen. Well, what are you going to do if you give it away? Well, it's running over. You've got more to come, right? And if you gave all the excess away, you still got a full cup. Amen. Uh, and so people act like, you know, God's barely getting by. But, you know, I mean, this song, how long has this psalm been around? Forever, right? Uh, this tells you everything you got to know about how God operates. Amen. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Well, if it's following you, then, then uh, if you look behind you in your life, what have you left behind in your life? 
Have you left behind goodness and mercy in all the steps that you've taken? And you look at the people's lives that you've touched or spoken into. Have you left goodness and mercy, you know? Oh, I told them, you know, I told them what they needed to know, you know. I to, I, you know, I'm not putting up with that. I don't have to put up with that. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, and so that's just a good psalm right there, right? Uh, and, and that, my cup runneth over, that's such a good thing because, you know, people are always like, well, God would never waste. Well, if your cup's running over, you're wasting everything that's, that's running over, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, God's not wasteful God. I mean, you know, it's, no, if you have an infinite supply, there's never a waste. It's never a waste. You know, the waste is only there because there's a shortage. Amen. Uh, and there's, is there a shortage in God? There's not a shortage in God. Amen. People, you know, we have finite resources on this earth. Uh, I don't have finite resources. You got finite resources, baby. I don't have finite resources. You know, I'm on a fixed income. Well, who, you know, I, Dr. Frank always loved that one. Well, who fixed it for you? You know, uh, God didn't fix your income. Uh, and, and um, you know, it's funny because when you're working in the world, it's, it's fixed in the same sense as when you're retired, you know. I mean, if you're working 40 hours a week, you're working 40 hours a week. And, and uh, unless you got a raise sometime, you're fixed. I mean, whatever you got is whatever you got. And so, but I know, uh, uh, I know a lot of people uh, that when they get retired, they get in fear. I'm on a fixed income. Well, I mean, you know, you're getting a check, you're getting a check next month, aren't you? Well, there's more coming in. But they're just so fearful about things, amen? Uh, and as the Lord, he said, he prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Uh, he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Uh, anytime a Christian is in fear, they are out of the will of God. And they have left the Lord and they have joined uh, themselves to the shadow of death people, amen? Where the fear is, you know, if uh, we're walking the Lord, uh, we, we, we fear no evil, amen? I mean, where's the evil? It's all around this death, amen? Uh, and, um, uh, you know, it's, it's funny, the, uh, my doctor the other day asked me, he said, uh, ha- have you got your flu shots yet? He didn't say, ask me if I was going to get a flu shot. He asked me, you know, have I got my flu shot yet? And, and I was real nice about it. I said, I don't guess I've ever had a flu shot, you know? And, and he just dropped it, you know? And that, it was good because sometimes they'll break you, you know, well, you need you get a flu shot, you know? And I was going to be like, would you get a flu shot? I mean, do you ever read about these things? You know, uh, you know, every year flu shots are different. Uh, you, you do whatever you want to. I mean, you know, if you're comfortable doing it, it's fine, right? But every year a flu shot's different because they don't know what the flu's going to be. They're just throwing a dart at the window, at the wall, and hoping that it's this kind of flu. But they don't really know. And so, you know, it's, it's, it may be sometimes it's 60% effective. You know, sometimes it's 30% effective. Sometimes it's 80% effective. But they don't really know. And so... Um, I'm not really interested in being a, a guinea pig myself, but uh, uh, again, you know, some people, uh, you know, receive a flu shot, and I'm not mad at anybody if they do it, you know. you gotta, you got to follow the path that you're on, and that's fine, right? I mean, I, there's no problem with that, but um, he didn't make a big deal of it. I didn't make a big deal of it, I, you know, uh, and I'm not, and I wouldn't even tell somebody, you know, you think I should get a flu shot? I, that's none of my business. I, I would never tell anybody, don't get a flu shot. Uh, and, and even if all that stuff is true, that's not even why I don't get a flu. I don't get a flu shot because I've never needed a, a flu shot. I mean, I've never had the flu, not since I was, you know, like 12 or something, uh, probably younger than that. And um, uh, don't plan on starting now. Amen. Uh, and so let's open up our Bibles to um, the book of Acts. We'll get started today. So uh, we were talking a little bit about Passover and what that meant and how that's kind of a type and a shadow for us today. Right. Uh, and uh, we, we're thankful that we 
we no longer have to, you know, go through the process. You know, we, of course, we celebrate Passover, which is really the beginning of the Easter celebration, right? So past, Passover begins, and at the end of Passover, then, from a, from a uh, Christian historical perspective, then is Easter, the, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, right? Because Passover is when Jesus was, resur- was crucified, and then a resurrection three days later was when he came back to the earth from uh, his uh, time uh, in the region of the damned. And so, um, uh, but, you know, the Passover is very specific and, and really, uh, you know, I'm not mad at anybody, but the church doesn't have any business celebrating Passover because Passover, you had to, first of all, kill a lamb, right? Anybody want to murder a mammal? I don't want to kill a mammal. I mean, that's why God invented, you know, Food City. So I don't have to go murder my own food, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, if all of us knew how all of our food was prepared, probably none of us, we, we just wouldn't eat. I'm not, I can't eat. You know, have you seen how they make that? I can't eat. But no, we believe God that it's going to be fine. Uh, but they had to, uh, had to kill a lamb, you know, put the blood on the doorpost, but they had to eat the bitter herbs, right, to remind themselves of the bitterness they had before uh, when they were in Egypt. Well, that's all past for us. Amen. We've been redeemed from that. So when Jesus replaced the, the Passover celebration with uh, communion, there's no bitter herbs in communion. But our, our Passover is, is, is really communion. Amen. It's, you know, the purpose of the Passover was to remind them of what the Lord had done, where they came from. Well, Jesus said, do this uh, as often as you do it in remembrance of me. So we, we still remember, but we remember what Jesus did. We don't remember what Pharaoh did. Amen. So their remembrance was, was what their life was like with Pharaoh. Our remembrance is what Jesus did for us. So we've got a better covenant. Amen. Uh, and so there's really no business of the church uh, celebrating in the traditional sense. Right. I mean, we, we celebrate it because that's when Jesus was crucified. And we celebrate the fact that Jesus did this on our behalf. But um, he didn't say go get little, tiny little crucifixes and remember what, what I did on the cross, you know. Uh, and so... Um, we're, we're thankful for that, amen. Uh, but here in, in, in Acts, and I just wanted to bring this particular point out, Acts chapter 7, so Acts chapter 7 is uh, when Stephen uh, was preaching. And you know, if you've ever studied this, if you study this, uh, uh, this dissertation that, P, that Stephen uh, gave here in Acts chapter 7, there's a couple of points, not many, but there's a couple of points, like I don't know where he got this from, because it's not, it's not referenced in the Old Testament anywhere. Uh, and so... And people who study these things have found other references, other Old Testament references uh, that uh, they, they sometimes imply that he got this information from. Uh, but it's not, it's not the purpose of this discussion is to go through all that. Uh, but he said here in, in um, chapter 7, verse 22, it says, Moses was learned or educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. Uh, and this is a, a good a good verse for us to understand because I know we've talked about it, but this is why we talk about it is this particular verse. If he was, was learned or educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, then uh, what was he aware of? Well, surely he was aware of how all, all of their medicinal practices, right? And maybe he wasn't a doctor in a sense that he could make up the potions and, and figure out the ingredients and know how to, the, the, the concentrations of them. But he surely knew that, okay, we've got all kinds of potions for this and potions for that. And we've got this elixir for that. And, you know, all these, you know, all these things and uh, uh, all of these, these things over here cure all these things over here. And so he knew about all of those things because it says he was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. So 
That means he knew about all that. Amen. And yet in all of Moses' writings uh, after uh, the Exodus, how many times did, did he talk to him about, oh, don't forget, you know, uh, I know you all were slaves, but when I was in Egypt, we used this little thing over here and that'll cure this and cure that. And, and so the Egyptians knew a lot of things about medicine and, and uh, herbal remedies and, you know, homeopathic remedies. And uh, they knew. So, so do that if you're sick. How many times did he tell the Egyptians or the, the Israelites to do that? None. Zero. And yet, did he know about them? It says right there he knew about him. Amen. So if he knew about him, but he didn't uh, even mention him, well, well, why not? Did he have something that better that replaced it? Well, sure he did. He had uh, the promise of God that he's our healer. Amen. And if God's our healer, then, uh, you know, it really wasn't necessary to, uh, to follow up on those things. So, uh, you know, I just wanted to, to bring uh, that particular uh, point out, you know. And if you remember also in Psalm 105, uh, verse 37, uh, which is uh, the psalmist uh, remembering what happened when they came out. It says, he brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Feeble, weakly person, right? Feeble means to be weak, right? Uh, weakly. So not even talking about, uh, there, there's, nobody was near death. Well, there was not only nobody near death as far as sickness and disease, there wasn't even a feeble person, right? Uh, not, even a, not even a weak person, right? No, no lame or, uh, and this, this you know, there's estimated at least a million people, maybe as high as two to three million people, left Egypt. Uh, well, you know, in today's society, you can't get, you know, where two or three are gathered together in my name. Well, probably one's sick, right? I mean, you know, it's a, uh, and I, that's not a confession. That's just an observation, right? I'm not hoping that that happens, but uh, how often t- in the church today are people sick? Well, probably about as much as the world is, you know. I mean, in general, just, uh, you know, I think around here, we're probably above average, right? Uh, but uh, you go outside, the, even in the regular church, outside of our, of our church, uh, you know, uh, my doctor asked me, he said, what do you attribute your good health to? And I said, well, you know, I believe God wants us to live a life of, of divine health. And he just acted like I didn't say any words. He said, well, make sure you eat more nuts and vegetables, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he immediately went to the natural realm, right? Yeah, go eat some more. Go take some cold showers, you know, fast, you know, don't. He gave me all, all these things. And it was interesting to talk to him. You know, he was a nice fellow there, but uh, he had no, he just had no interest in, in my life of divine faith. But he wanted me to have interest in his nuts and vegetables, you know, and, and um, I mean, whatever, you know. And so uh, it's, uh, uh, the people are funny, right? Uh, and so, um, but there wasn't one people among them. Amen. So uh, now they lived in the Old Testament. They lived in a, in a situation where they did not have the power of God living on the inside of them. Amen. And, you know, when the Spirit of God comes in you, uh, the Bible has two different words for that. It calls it the life of God, right? With the word life there is zoe, that it might have life and have it more abundantly, right? That word life there is zoe, right? It's the Greek word for life. And, and that's specific to God. It's the God kind and the God quality of life. Well, uh, some verses call it eternal life, some verses call it everlasting life. It's the same word for, the, for life there, uh, but they add different adjectives on the front of it because it's such a big word, everlasting, eternal life is still not big enough to, to encompass that word life, that, that Zoe life. Yeah. And uh, they didn't have that. Well, you have that in, on the inside of you. 
And if that life is in there, then it, it, it will permeate your entire body and it will cause your body to, to, to be healed, amen, to resist sickness and disease above and beyond the natural ability of your body because your body is designed by the Lord to, to naturally be well, amen. For the most part, your body is well and, uh, and, and in fact, uh, one of the things that the doctor said is, is um, and I believe it to be true, he said, you know, everybody has cancer. Now, you've got to understand what he was saying. He said, uh, 99% of the time, your bodies are already fended it off and, and killed it and got rid of it. Amen. And it's the same thing, there's, you know, and not to fear, put fear in anybody, but there, are there vir- viruses and germs everywhere? There's viruses and germs everywhere. Are you, are you passing by viruses and germs everywhere? You're passing by virus, viruses and germs everywhere. Uh, why aren't you sick all the time? Because your body is naturally defending against those things, right? So there's a, a, a natural level of, of health that people can walk in. You know, and, you know, that varies, right? Some people, they're just kind of healthy people, right? Just for the most part, naturally speaking, they're just, they never get sick. But then you got other people, naturally speaking, they're sick all the time, right? They're, we call them sickly people, right? They're just always something going on. They're always down in the back, always, you know, got the, the crud, always feeling bad, or always, you know, uh, an eye will swell up all of a sudden, you know, or a knee will quit working. I mean, just sickly people, just all the time, something's going on. And, and the Bible talks about a spirit of infirmity. Many times that spirit of infirmity gets on people where it's always something, right? It's always, and if it's not this, it's that. And they'll confess that. Well, if it's not this, it's that. I mean, they will use their words to, to welcome the spirit of infirmity to stay with them all of their life. Uh, and so, but above that, beyond that, we have, as Christians, we have the benefit and the blessing to have eternal, everlasting life living on the inside of us. And, and surely that everlasting life will dispel death because all, sick, all sickness and disease is, is uh, the way uh, Lillian B. Oman said it, it's death started, right? It's death that has started in your life. And uh, naturally speaking, your body will take care of a lot of it. But sometimes that, that death that started... Uh, will overwhelm the natural uh, uh, resistance in your body to that sickness and disease, uh, and then you become you actually become sick. And it's, uh, so sometimes you need assistance with medication in the natural. But we have the everlasting eternal life living on the inside of us, and uh, we have an advantage over the world. Amen. We should have an advantage. Now every Christian has that advantage because every Christian has the eternal life of God living on the inside of them. Well, surely uh, that that spirit of life will dispel that spirit of death that's trying to overcome you, right? But you have to have faith in it. Your faith is what energizes that to operate in your life. You know, I believe that that, that that eternal life lives on the inside of me. I believe that that eternal life permeates my entire body, that every joint, every marrow, every cell is infused with the eternal life of God in it. And they are supercharged to to dispel death and to dispel sickness and disease. Now, that's what Moses believed, even though he wasn't born again, but he believed that the power of God would do that. And so he had no need for the secret 11 herbs and spices from Egypt, right? Uh, and so now, uh, you know, they took the 11 herbs and spices and they sold chicken with it, right? So that's what they, that's what they do. If you want the herbs and spices from, from Egypt, you go down to uh, KFC and you get your 11 herbs and spices, right? I'm just making it up. I really don't know. You know, I don't know where they got their 11 herbs and spices, right? Uh, but um, anyway, so is that true? I mean, are those things true that we have the, the eternal life of God living on each side of us? That Moses, although he knew about these things, had no, no use for them. He, 
you know, you don't see where Moses, you know, and Moses got up one day and he took, took some bark of some tree, right, uh, to, to eat it, to, to take care of his aches and pains as, since he was a shepherd for 40 years and, and uh, was walking up and down all those mountains for 40 years. You know, he, he, it, it'll wear you out after all those years, you know. I mean, I, I did all that for all those years. Now I'm all broke down, wore out, you know. Uh, people will say things like that, right? Uh, what are they doing? They're, they're, they're laying the foundation of their future, right? And then when that happens, yeah, I told you it happened. I knew it happened. Uh, well, why did you know it's happened? Well, I've been confessing it for 40 years. You know, it took a while to get there, you know. Uh, and so, what's that? Uh, yeah, I mean, some people got great faith in, uh, in their confession, amen? Some uh, greater the faith than they ought to have in, in that way, right? So let's turn back to Exodus chapter 15. So, so that was about Passover. And then uh, she brings up the story, uh, the next story there. Uh, and so we've got to get over to Exodus chapter 15. So, um, so now, they, now they left Egypt. Uh, what chapter did they leave Egypt in, right? It was uh, uh, chapter, well, chapter 14, right? They left Egypt in chapter 14. Uh, and um, so now they're on their own in the wilderness, right? And so, yeah, so chapter 14 is when uh, the Pharaoh was uh, pursuing them in the Red Sea. And then the Red Sea came, of course, closed upon them. And so now uh, it's been like an entire chapter, right, which is like days, like days that they left Egypt, right? So this is not years. This is not like 39 years in the wilderness. This is like 39 minutes after they left, uh, they left Egypt, right? Uh, and so it says... Let's start in verse 22. It says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. All right, so how long has it been since they left Egypt? Three days, right? Three days. So, now how many miracles did they see uh, Moses do in Egypt? Well, they saw all the all the the ten plagues, right? All of those, all of those. But then also, they saw the Red Sea miracle, right? Was that a miracle? And some people say, well, that was a mistranslation. It was really supposed to, supposed to be the Reed Sea, R E E D, instead of the Red Sea. And I really don't know. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, you know. And they said, well, the Reed Sea was wasn't that deep, so they could they could of course go over. But it says they went over on dry ground. Even if it's a shallow, uh, you ever seen a shallow, you know, over around here, especially around around the highway here, there's a lot of shallow places where, you know, sometimes it's dry, sometimes it's wet. Well, if you walk through there, even when it's dry, it's going to be cakey and muddy, and, you know, it's not going to be really dry. It's dry, there's no water flowing through it, but it's not dry like solid ground. Uh, and, and so, and even if that's true, even if it was true that, that uh, uh, they were able to walk through this reed sea on dry ground, how was it that the entire army of Egypt was drowned in, in, in ankle-deep water. That's another miracle, right? I mean, you ever see anybody fall in a mud puddle and drown? I'm drowning. I'm dr get up, you're in a mud puddle. Shut up, get up, you know. But you're not drowning. Uh, it sounds like a kid, you know, child comes in, oh, I'm drowning. You're like, you're wet. You're, you're, and you're not even all the way wet because it's a mud puddle, right? Uh, and so you can't be all the way wet. Uh, and so, you know, that people just, you know, people are always looking for a reason to dispel the supernatural aspects of God, right? Well, it wasn't, a, it wasn't the Red Sea, it was the Reed Sea, you know. Well, okay, fine, that's even a bigger miracle. Well, it's just, uh, it just uh, when in doubt, they mumble, right? So it's been three days, three whole days, you know. And, and, and this is the very first uh, 
thing they came, came to that was an issue, right? So, so it's, now it's not been like three years, three days, right? Uh, three days when the greatest army of Israel was defeated by a stick, right? Moses put a stick in the water and it parted. A stick beat the entire army of, of, uh, uh, of Israel, right? Uh, and so, uh, uh, let's see if I can find this here. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to go back and just, uh, um, uh, let's go back to chapter 14 for just a minute, because I, I like this particular story here. Uh, it's, and let's start in verse 10. It says, um, well, let's, let's, uh, let's back up to, uh, well, all right, well, let's start in verse 1. It says, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Paharoth uh, between Migdal and the sea over against Baal-zephon before it shall be before it shall ye encamp by the sea. So this is when they're going to the sea, right? So they're, they left Egypt. Uh, they're going to the Red Sea. It says, For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land. Uh, the wilderness ha- has shut them in. So Pharaoh is going to see that they're there and they're stuck, right? That's what he's going to think. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them. And I will be uh, honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Uh, And notice uh, it says in verse 5, And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? Because you said they could go and and serve the Lord. Amen. That's why they, they left. Uh, and he made ready his chariot and took the people with him. You know, it's always interesting because you know, there, there was millions of people in Egypt. They could have just left. It would have been really hard for the army to contain these. If they just decide, you know, I mean, there's 300 million, 300 million people in America. What if all of us decided nobody's paying taxes? Could they really do something against that? They really couldn't do anything about that, right? They can't arrest literally 300 million people, right? Not that you shouldn't do that. Pay taxes. Right? I pay my taxes. Uh, but I'm just saying, if, if everybody rebelled, you couldn't do anything about it. Amen. Uh, and enough people uh, say no, uh, but they didn't do that. Like, we want you to tell us it's okay. Right? We're going to make. We want you to decide it's okay for us to leave. Uh, and and that was that was the the strategy of the Lord. Uh, so it says in verse six, and he made ready his chariot and took the people with him, and he took six hundred chosen chariots and all the chariots of Egypt, uh, and captains over every one of them and the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh the king of Egypt we talked about that how the way that the Lord hardened it was was just being God amen and Pharaoh didn't like that and so his heart got hardened because God would not change uh, to uh, follow uh, the whim of Pharaoh and he pursued after the children of Israel and the children of Israel went out with a high hand that's what we said about uh, in Psalm in Psalms where it says they left with silver and gold and not one was feeble among them but the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea beside Pahiroth and Belzephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were sore afraid. Again, how long has it been since they saw the last miracle? A day, right? a day. A, a spectacular miracle, right? Where all 
of the firstborn, both man and beast of Egypt was killed because they would not yield to God. And, and they were supernaturally preserved from the, from the angel of death by the blood of the Passover. A day. People say, well, if I could just see a miracle, I'd have faith. These people saw, a, you know, ten miracles. Ten None of them did, did a thing to move the needle of faith. Amen. And people are like that today. You know, people who say that, it ain't true. Uh, you know, if you can't have faith without a miracle, you will never see a miracle. If you can have a faith without miracle, without seeing a miracle, then you'll see a miracle. But people who, who think they have to see a miracle before they have faith will never see a miracle. Amen. Uh, and so, because the Lord's not obligated to prove to you that he exists. That the whole purpose of faith is to believe that he is, right? In fact, what does 11, uh, Hebrews eleven six say that? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Uh, for those who come to him must, first of all, believe that he what? That he is. So that means you have to believe that he is, right? It's not that you have to be proven that he is. You have to believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Uh, and so they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone? You know, there's always a certain group of people who want only slavery. They just want to be told what to do. They never want to rise up above their circumstances. And they are perfectly satisfied with the worst situations in life as long as somebody else is providing for them. Amen. And there's, they'll always have that group of people with you. For all eternity, amen, until Jesus comes back and we get a glorified body. There's always going to be some people who just never want to pursue anything on their own. They just want to be told what to do and be provided for. And uh, even if it's the worst, right? I mean, because, okay, they're provided for it. But were they eating the best foods? They were eating leeks and onions. Amen. I mean, anybody thrilled with that's all your whole diet, right? Leeks and onions. Oh, yeah, leeks and onions. Awesome, man. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of bad breath going on in Egypt, right? And they were satisfied with that. They were perfectly satisfied with it. They weren't eating like the Pharaoh, right? They weren't eating with a table before them in the presence of their, of their enemies. They were in, in among the enemy, right? Eating, eating what the enemy provided for them. And they were satisfied with that. And even in the church today, if you tell somebody, if you'll believe God, you can live a life of divine health. That's, like a, that's just too much work. I'll just, I'll just take my pill and get my surgery and, you know, I'll, I'll make it the best. It's, there will always be people who will be perfectly satisfied with living below God's best. Amen. And really, there's nothing we can do about it. It's unfortunate, you know, because Jesus said, you'll always have the poor with you. And he didn't just mean financially poor. He meant spiritually poor. He meant uh, faith poor. You're, uh, they're, they're always going to have the poor with you. So you're always going to have some people who just don't want to overcome. Right who just don't want to advance in, in anything. And so they said, did we not tell you, leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? Isn't that crazy? Let, let us, we are happier being slaves than we are being free. Uh, and you're, you're, again, you're always going to, now this is, you know, it, it's real and natural, but it's also a type and shadow of the spirit realm, right? You're always going to have people that are perfectly satisfied being slave to their flesh. Well, that's just who I am. They're satisfied with being slaves to their flesh, right? Well, I'm just, you know, I'm just an emotional person. Leave me alone. That's just who I am. Uh, they're satisfied being a slave. 
I will fight it forever. I will never say that's just the way that I am. If I, if I look in the mirror and I see that this is me, I'm not going to say leave me alone. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to change. Amen. I am not going to be satisfied. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Well, that's, you know, a, a reasonably true statement, right? But that's, they think that's the only two choices. Either serve Egypt or die in the wilderness. That's not the only two choices, right? The third choice is, well, why don't you just uh, defeat the Egyptians? Oh, I would never talk about the devil, you know. Aren't you, aren't you afraid of the devil? No, have you ever seen the devil? I mean, I've never actually seen him, but, you know. Uh, uh, I know what the Word of God says about him, that when I do see him, I'm going to be like, that's it? That's all you got? The, the world has feared you for centuries, and we're going to look at you and look upon you and, and, and be like, what? We feared that? Right? It's just like, you know, uh, one day we had some people at the house uh, working on uh, some construction at the house. And so we, we, we put uh, our dog, Clark, in, in, the, in the utility room, you know, so he wasn't messing with his... He could have messed up. They were doing some uh, work with uh, uh, bricks and stuff and so uh, and flooring. And so we didn't want him messing with that. So we just put him in the laundry room. Well, of course, they got there and, and he doesn't know. So, you know, they're in his territory. So he starts barking. Well, you, most of you have seen Clark, right? He's this tall, right? I mean, he's, he's lived this tall. But he sounds like a bear. I mean, you know, and, and they had to go in the laundry room and, and get something. And they're like, I ain't going in there because he's barking. They think he's this tall. He sounds like he's this tall, right? Uh, and and they, they would not go. They would not go in the utility room because they're thinking he's, you know, he's a 200-pound dog and he's just going to eat them, put, throw some salt on them and eat them, right? Uh, and, but he just, he's just a, little, just, you know, just a little short thing. You can outrun him to the, to the door easy, right? Uh, and, and so, but that's the way people think of the devil. Oh, he sounds, yeah, he does sound good. I think he, the Bible doesn't actually, Bible say, 1 Peter chapter 5, that as a roaring lion, he walks about as, not, he's, not, he's not a roaring lion, but he walks about as a roaring lion. What's he doing? He's got a costume on, right? I'm a roaring lion, you know. And, and he's not. He's like, that, that's fake. That's a fake costume. You're not an actual lion. Well, no, I'm not, but I got, a, I got a fake costume, right? Anybody ever thought the Wizard of Oz that it was actually a, a real lion there? It's like, no, it, you're fake. I mean, anybody fooled by that? And, and, okay, who's going? It wasn't real. It wasn't real. It was fake, right? None of y'all, none of y'all thought it was real, right? Uh, but they said, but they said it was better for us to do that. It was better to stay with the Egyptians. You, you've got to fight it. You've got to fight. You you can't ever be satisfied with a mediocre life. You can't be satisfied with mediocre faith. You can't be satisfied with just just the way everybody else is doing. Well, everybody else is getting sick, so you know uh, it's better for us to stay like that. You know, uh, you just you got to fight it every day. You've got to because it's just there's such an onslaught against. Uh, the, the, the hold of the, the uh, enemy against the church, it's every day, right? Cause, and, and it's not only the, the enemy against the church. A, a lot of times, it's the church against the church itself. How many people in a church will look down upon you? Oh, you're one of those faith people. You know, in fact, my, my doctor said, now, you guys actually talk in tongues over there? And I'm thinking, yeah, don't you? Right? Uh, and he goes, well, I don't believe in that, you know, but I'm not mad because you do. I'm thinking, well, I don't care, you know. I mean, I speak in tongues and get into the throne of heaven. Well, get you there, right? Speak in tongues and angels sing, right? I mean, it's, uh, uh, we've got a, a, a great advantage. And I'm, you know, it didn't bother me a bit. I wasn't ashamed. It wasn't, you know, I didn't feel put under or anything like that. You know, I'm thinking, you know, you want to step outside and say that? 
Uh, but um, I didn't get upset about it at all. Because I'm thinking, you know, you, you've had a thousand years of education and you don't know nothing. Uh, again, I'm not mad at him, but, you know, you stick with your nuts and vegetables, you know. I'm going to stick with my speaking in tongues. And, and, and so, so what did, Moses, what did Moses do? Moses said unto the people, fear you not. How many times have you heard that phrase, fear not? Somebody said it's, it's actually, it's, it's that phrase is found 365 times in a, it's really not found 365 times in the Bible. They kind of stretch the truth there a little bit there. But it is a lot of times in the Bible, right? Jesus said it many times. How many times did he, he meet up with somebody? First thing he said, fear not. Why? Because we're a bunch of chickens. I mean, we're just scared all the time, right? You know, I mean, when they, when they saw Jesus walking in the water, oh, it's a, it's a spirit, you know? Uh, and he, he said, fear not. You know, and then, of course, Peter said, if it's, Lord, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come to you on the water. And she said, okay, come on. And, of course, he, he'd start, he took three steps and, you know, kind of like the, Egypt, the Israelites here, took three steps and started getting afraid. I mean, they, they didn't even made it to the, to the edge of the water yet, right? They're, just, they're at the water, but they've not started going into the water yet. He said, fear you not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show, you, show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you and he shall hold your peace. And then, <laughs> uh, then this next verse, I love this next verse. And the Lord said to Moses, wherefore criest thou unto me? Because Moses like, don't fear anything. God, what are we going to do? <laughs> so, you know, Moses over here being the great you know, man of God over here. And God, you know, a little help over here, please. Uh, and so the Lord tells Moses, why are you crying after me? So, so Moses, now you've you got to give Moses some credit because he just said, uh, fear not, the Lord's going to provide. But at the same time, he's like, I don't know how he's going to do it. i got nothing, you know. I mean, and so he, started, so he went over to the Lord and said, Lord, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Lord said, why are you crying out to me? And why did the Lord say that to him? Because didn't, didn't he give him the rod? He already gave him the rod. Did he, was he, did he have the rod with him? He did because he said right there, do this with the rod. So, you know, a lot of times uh, our, our words exceed our faith. Yeah, God will provide. Well, what are you doing about that? Are you, are you actually believing that God's going to provide or are you just saying those words, right? So sometimes our, our words need to line up with our faith. They should always line up with our faith. Sometimes, because in the charismatic word, world, by law, you're required to have a perfect confession, right? You're not allowed to ever say anything that's, that's not a perfect confession, even if you don't mean it. Oh, yeah, I'm healed. <laughs> You know, and, and, and so, uh, and I understand there is, there is an aspect of confession. If you really believe it, that's what you would say, right? But a lot of times we say it, not because we believe it, we say it because we're required to say it, amen? So be careful that, you know, you shouldn't say it unless you actually believe it because it just hurts your faith, amen? If you don't really believe that God's going to heal you, don't say God's my healer. Just don't say anything. Just go back to the word and read the word until, you, until it's so big inside you that you have to say, yes, God's my healer. I have no doubt whatsoever that God's my healer. Amen. Uh, and so the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying after me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Uh, and so is that what happened? That's what happened, right? And so, uh, but I just love that, you know, because the Lord, he, uh, he always had a, close relationship with Moses right Moses twice the Lord said I'll just I'll kill them all and make a great nation out of you 
Twice the Lord made him that deal, right? I'll just kill them all and just make a great nation out of you. Uh, and, you know, and I think uh, I had an interesting discussion with, with a fellow about that. Because I'm thinking that just shows me how the Lord picked the right guy. Because if it had been me and the Lord made that deal with me, I said, you know, Lord, I'll take that deal. Can you start with that guy over there? Kill him first because he's been a thorn on my side. And then kill him next because he's worse, right? Uh, and we'd have, we'd have made a list, wouldn't we? Yeah, Lord, uh, I'll take that deal. Can you do it in this order, right? These are all my least top 10 favorite people. Uh, and so we're thankful that the Lord picked Moses. Well, there's one fellow I said, he said, Moses made the wrong decision. He should have said, yeah, I'll take that deal, Lord. Because in his, in he said, his reasoning was, well, they're all going to be backsliders anyway. So just get rid of them all and have new people. And I said, but, but you're assuming, and I think it's a huge assumption, you're assuming that the next group of people are going to be better than the last group of people. You know, what I have found in observation is people, I've been all over the world, everybody's exactly the same. There's no difference. Red, yellow, black, white, they're all the same. They either love God or they don't love God. It, it's not got anything to do with, with culture or language or race or you either love God or you don't love God. It's got nothing to do with anything. You know, people are either spiritual or they're not spiritual. And I, and I have made no, I've not been able to make any, any observation that, yeah, this group of people is always so spiritual this group of people are never spiritual. They're all, we're all the same. All the same. And, and I can go anywhere in the world, and if people love God, I can be comfortable. I can be at comfort with them. I can feel right at home. You know, I've been to Africa many times. I've been to Europe many times. Anytime I've been around people that love God, I'm right at home. No problem. Even I can't speak the language. I know the first time we went to Africa, we walked into a dirt floor church. That was a, a, it was Jerry Allen and I went to the, uh, together on that particular trip. And it's a dirt floor. We relate to church, and, and, which is a miracle because, I mean, everybody in Africa, they don't even, it's against the law to even own a clock in Africa, right? So I don't know how we relate to church, but, uh, but we got there, and they were worshiping God. And you would have thought that we walked in on heaven. I mean, they were, I, I have never seen people worship God from their heart that much in a church setting ever uh, up to that time. Uh, and they put any, any service I've ever been to to shame, just... And we just felt so at home. We didn't understand a word they were saying. We didn't understand any songs they were saying. But we knew their heart. And we could sing, you know. So, you know, they, I can't understand anything they're saying. So I just sang in tongues. I mean, you know, I, I don't know the words, but I can sing in the spirit, right? And so, you know, they don't know anything I'm saying either. So it's all right. Even I sang in English, they still wouldn't know what I was saying for the most part. Uh, and so, so uh, let's make sure that uh, if we're going to say something, that we back it up with our word, that, with our faith. Amen. Don't just, don't feel under pressure. Well, I've got to have the, the presumption of faith. I've got to appear like I'm walking in faith even if, even if I don't believe it. That, that's, a, that's a terrible way to be, amen? Now, I know some people say, fake it till you make it. And I'm not really a big fan of that mentality, right? I mean, I know sometimes, you know, they say that in the context of, well, you know, you've got anger problems, so just fake like you're not angry all the time until you make that. Well, that's fair because if you just, well, that's just who I am. You go kick every door and, and, and kick every dog and, you know, say terrible things to your spouse. That's not really a good way to be, right? So, yeah, you know, bite your tongue if you have to. But the ideal position of the, of, the, of the Christian is I don't ever bite my tongue. If something happens, it's not like I'm, I'm biting my tongue to keep from saying anything. There's nothing there to say. Amen. I stub my toe. I'm not suppressing a cuss word. There's no cuss words there to say. Amen. So yeah, it still hurts. You know, you ever stub your toe? It still hurts whether you cuss or don't cuss, right? 
And so it can either hurt and you not cuss or it can hurt and you cuss, right? And so if, there's not, if it's not in there, that's the ideal, right? That's a way, if you want to be a mature Christian is, Paul said, put off the old man. He didn't say keep him under, you know, uh, and stuff him in a, in a pillow because you might need him someday, right? Somebody gets you, oh yeah, you want some of this? And you pull out the old man, right? Uh, and well, I, there's nothing there. You, you know, in some of this and there's, it's empty. That's what it should be, right? You shouldn't, you shouldn't be holding the old man in reserve till you really need him, right? You, you want a piece of me? Let's step outside, right? Uh, it, no, there, it shouldn't be there, right? And so, so I, I just like it how, how the Lord said, why are you crying after me? Moses, oh, great man of faith, right? And go do these things. And so they did. So this is another miracle right here, right? Part of the Red Sea. So there really is two miracles, right? Because number one, well, several miracles, right? Because they, he part of the Red Sea, that's a miracle. It's dry, that's a miracle, right? They get to the other side. The, the, the Egyptians uh, pursue them. And, and then uh, the, the, the sea collapses upon them and drowns them all. That's a third. So there's three more miracles right here, right? Uh, all in this one event. And so now they have seen, just in a short time, time span, they have seen 13 miracles from God. 13 miracles, right? Wouldn't you, and all of these are like spectacular, above, you know, life-changing, world-changing miracles, right? It's not like, oh, you know, I had like two red lights in a row be green for me. It's, it's a miracle, right? Okay, I mean, you know, is that a miracle? I mean, you know, it's probably some guy in the Dayton, you know, department going, hey, watch this, you know. And they'll make it think it's God, you know. It's not really. It's just the, 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 the red light God at, uh, at the Dayton uh, office there, right? But, but if these are sure enough miracles, right? World-changing miracles. Spectacular miracles. Beyond imagination miracles, right? Uh, and, and, so, and they saw, all of these guys saw them. They all saw Because didn't they all have to cross through the Red Sea? All of these millions of people had to cross the Red Sea. So they all saw this spectacular miracle. And they, then they get down here. To, uh, back to chapter 15 and verse 22. Then uh, Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea where they just saw a miracle and they went out into the wilderness of, of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness. Three days. You know, we haven't seen God move in three days. He must have all left us. Three days, right? That's it. But how many miracles had they needed for the last three days? None. They're just, they walked across the room. Well, I, God hadn't appeared to me in the last 15 feet. I guess, you know, I guess he's forsaken us. Now, and so the, uh, it says, and they went three days in the wilderness and they found no water. And they came to Mara. Uh, and when they came to Mara, they could not drink of the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. That's really redundant, right? But, uh, uh, and uh, the word Mara means bitterness. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he, uh, and so he, he, that's when he cried unto the Lord. But they murmured, murmured. You know, they just saw God spectacularly provide for them in 13 different ways in, in the last short time span, right? And the last three were just three days ago. Uh, and, uh, and people of God, oftentimes, they, they forget how to be people of faith. Because people of faith, if an event occurs and, and there's no water, they just go to the Lord and say, Lord, uh, we, we need some water. That water over there, we can't drink that. We, we need some good water. And you're going to provide because you're the provider. And so uh, you told us to ask uh, and you provide. And so we're asking you for water. Now, that's what people of faith do. People of no faith go, 
you know, God, if you don't get me out of this, I'm going to die, you know, and, but, uh, you know, whatever you want to do is fine, but if you don't want to do it, that's fine, but, uh, you know, I'm, we're all dying here, Lord. And they try to use their emotions to coerce God into helping them. They don't want to use any faith. They want to use their emotions to coerce God into action. Uh, and, and so, and, you know, when my kids were small, uh, they would try the same thing. They, they went to the school of, of the Israelites and learned how to murmur, right? And they'd come in, you know, Dad, 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 please, 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 let's, let's, please, let's, oh, we're dying, Dad, we're dying, Dad, 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 we... And I was just like, I said, we do not beg. And we sure don't murmur, right? We are not beggars. I said, if you want something, you just ask. Don't beg, don't bawl and cry, and oh, we're starving, right? You know, kids, well, it had been like an hour since they ate, they come, I'm starving. You're not really starving, right? What are they doing? They're trying to use their emotions to to elicit action on, this, on, the, uh, on, the, on the part of the parents. Yeah. And, and we've all done this, right? All of us have done this, try to use our emotions. God, if you don't get me out of this, I'm going to die. I was like, you haven't even asked for anything yet. You haven't asked anything. You haven't applied any faith. You want me to just move sovereignly without you uh, asking for anything by faith. You just want me to get you out of the situation, you know? Uh, and, and, and I told you to ask. Lord, if I ask, then I have to walk in faith. I don't know if I can walk in faith, but I can beg you and try to get you to feel sorry for me and have pity for me. And that way I don't have to operate in faith. And a lot of Christians try to do that. A lot of people try to do that. You know, they'll come and I remember one time years ago, there was one of the people at the church, in fact. It was one of the people that they were always putting their, their natural life into dire straits. So you had to help them. They came in one day and said, I've been sleeping in my car for three days. You know, I need help. I'm thinking, I didn't tell you to sleep in your car. How many family members you got in, in this city? A dozen. They literally had a dozen family members. You mean not a single one will let you sleep on their floor? Uh, well, I don't want to ask them. Well, is that my problem? That's your problem, right? Don't want to ask, right? Uh, and, and you should never be afraid to ask, but, but she, she would ask. You've got to help me. You have to help me because I've been sleeping in my car. Well, see, that doesn't move me. It doesn't move me. I mean, I, you know, I was sleeping in my car. I don't care. Why? Because you didn't have to sleep in your car, but you intentionally slept in your car so you could then coerce me to help you. I, I'm under no pressure to help anybody. Will people try to do that? Just, you know, one guy walked in. It's a small thing, but he walked in. Hey, what are you doing today? Oh, just, I'm just trying to find some uh, few, few uh, pennies on the side of the road to get me some coffee. Sure would be nice to have a cup of coffee. And, and I said, man, I hope you get I hope you find it. Because, you know, what he was doing, he was trying to manipulate me to give him a dollar to get a cup of coffee. Well, you're not going to make, you just ask, you want a dollar for coffee? Just ask me for a dollar, I'll give you, I'll just give it to you. You don't even owe me. I won't even put you on, on, on credit. I'm not going to put a, a payment plan. Just a dollar, I'll just give you a whole dollar. I'll give you a whole dollar if you just ask. You're going to come in and try to manipulate me? Sure, it'd be nice to have a dollar. I don't know where I could find a dollar, but if I had a dollar, I'd go get me a cup of coffee. And I'll hook up my faith with you. We'll believe God together, get you a dollar, you know. What are they doing? Same exact thing, right? And now, is the Lord merciful? He's merciful, right? He is a merciful God. And if it wasn't for His... See, the problem is, the Lord wants us to operate in grace. He said, come boldly to the throne of grace. Amen? Uh, that you might find grace or might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Boldly to the throne of grace, not throne of mercy, right? People are, oh, i got to run to the mercy seat. Anybody remember that song, run to the mercy seat? I'm running, I'm running the mercy seat. 
And one day the Lord's like, why, why are you singing that song? Because it's, it's a good song. Though. It's good. You know, you're running the mercy seat. You know, I'm running. And it's, you know, all this music. And you're running the mercy seat. And, you know, and, you know of course, we know the word, right? You study the word. And, and you got to thinking, well, actually, Lord, you know, the mercy seat in the New Testament, the mercy seat, Jesus himself is the mercy seat, right? But now, he doesn't, see, the Old Testament, the mercy seat, the mercy seat in the Old Testament was the top of the Ark of the Covenant, right? That was called the mercy seat. They had the cherubim on both sides of it, and that's where they put the blood on it. That was called the mercy seat, right? The blood was put, placed on the mercy seat, and it'd flow down, you know, and that was the mercy seat. Well, you know, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant is a type and shadow. There's, a, there's an Ark of the Covenant in, in heaven, right? Because the Lord told Moses, make everything after the pattern of heaven. But, uh, so the mercy seat was where sacrifices went. Well, there's no more sacrifices, so now, instead of the mercy seat, there's a throne of grace. So we don't run to the mercy seat, right? The Old Testament, right? We run to the throne of grace, boldly, right? We don't, mercy seat, Old Testament, they had to go and beg. Lord, please save us. You know, here's a mercy, here, here's, here's a sacrifice. You know, please, please provide for us. But now, we run to the throne of grace. And I tried to explain that to some people, you know, before. And, and uh, why, 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 you know, you said, you have to tell me book, chapter, verse. So I went through like, you know, a whole, a whole, you know, half a dozen scriptures about in Hebrews, right? In Old Testament, and, and just, and, you know, show them with it where we don't go to the mercy seat, we go to the throne of grace. And they paused and looked at me for a second and said, I'm still going to go to the mercy seat. I said, you can go. I said, but there's nobody there. Go to the mercy seat, but nobody's there. It's got a for rent sign, vacant. Nobody's there, right? I mean, what are you going to get there? What are you going to get from an empty seat? You go over these two empty seats right back there at the church, right? Those little leather seats. Are, you're going to go there to get help? There's, no, there's nobody there. Yeah, but that's why I like those seats. Well, they're comfortable seats, but nobody's there. Amen? But people are trying, I'm going to go to the mercy seat. No, the Lord, the Lord desires us to come boldly to the throne of grace. Say, Lord, here's what I need. Just very specific. Lord, I need this. I need this. I need this. You're a kind and merciful God. You told me to ask and you provide, so I'm going to ask and you'll provide. We don't murmur. We don't try to manipulate God. We don't try to coerce God into helping us. Because if it's an act of mercy, He may or may not do it. Now, He's a merciful God, I know. But He's not required to do it. Amen. If you go to Him in faith, He's required to do His word. If He said I, that, that uh, I am your shepherd, right? Well, we read it in Psalm 23, 1 just today, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? Want. So if you have a need or a want... You can say, Lord, you're my shepherd. You said that, uh, that I won't be in any need or want. So here's what I need right, right at this moment. I need a job. I need a car. I need a hammer. I need a screwdriver. I need a, you know, uh, you know whatever I need. Here's what I need, Lord. And since you're my shepherd, I thank you that you provide for me. That's the way he wants us to do it. But if we go, Lord, you know, if you don't get me that hammer, I'm going to die. The Lord's like, I've already made a place for you. Come on. You know, I told you I'd leave, I'm going to provide a place for you right now, right? Uh, and so, so what did they do? They murmured. See, what they should have done is they should have gone to Moses and said, Moses, you may not notice, but this water's bitter, right? Because they only said three times that the water's bitter, right? They went to Marah uh, because uh, they couldn't drink of the waters of Marah because they were bitter because the place was called Marah, right? So what do you think they're trying to say? It's called Marah, right? And so it, it's bitter. Moses... You know, in case you didn't know that water's bitter, we can't drink this. Uh, we would like you to ask the Lord to provide us some water. That's what a person of faith would do, right? A person who has no faith will try to use their emotions to manipulate somebody. Amen? 
And so what to do? They murmured to the Lord, what shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Now here's the thing. Where was the tree? It's right there. Well, how long had that tree been there? As long as they were there. I mean, he didn't go, he didn't go back to Egypt to get a tree. He said, right, there's a tree. Wow, there's a tree. I mean, five seconds ago, you didn't see the tree, but the tree was there all the time. How many times has the very thing you need have been right there and you didn't even notice it? Right. Get the tree. Well, what tree? The tree right there, dummy. It's right next to you. Oh, you mean that tree. Well, did, Mo, did Moses know that that tree was sufficient to fix the waters? He didn't know that. But how did he know? Supernatural revelation. Amen. See, supernatural revelation is a, is a great value. Because even though that was a natural, was that a natural solution to the water problem? It was a natural solution. Whatever was in that tree, whatever sap or the leaves or the roots or whatever, the bark could have been all the above, whatever portion of that tree caused it to absorb that bitterness and, and, and cause it to, to dispel that, the bitterness out of that water, whatever the, the natural ability for that tree to do that was unknown to Moses and the rest of the people. And if not for the supernatural revelation of God, they would not have known that. And so oftentimes, and I've seen this in my own life, oftentimes the solution to your problems is a natural thing, is a natural event that needs to occur, but you don't know about it until you obtain supernatural revelation. And, the, and, and, and so sometimes, like with the parting of the water, it's entirely supernatural, right? There's no way they could have uh, dammed up the water and done it themselves. That had to be a supernatural intervention in their life. But when they got to the waters, the Lord just provided what was already there. Here, just do this. But it was revelation. It's still supernatural, but it's not quite as spectacular, right? But it's still, we're not going to, well, that's, that's not a very big miracle, right? I mean, you know, come on, do better next time, right? Are, are anybody's going to be disappointed because it's not a big miracle? We okay with small miracles, you know? And I don't really mean that there's a distinction between small and big miracles, but we like to make a distinction. Oh, yeah, partner waters, that's a big miracle. That's just, well, anybody could have done that. Well, sure, but did you know that? It's like a mechanic comes to your house, right? Well, this thing is, is broken. And he goes in there, turns one screw, and charges you $100. Well, you only turn one screw. He said, yeah, but I knew which screw to turn. Right? Did you know which screw to turn? I mean, I, mean, how, I, mean, I can't tell you how many times it's like, oh, yeah, it was just this little thing right there. And, and, and don't you feel bad paying for that? Well, no, because I didn't know that. Right? You know, now maybe next time I'll know it. Right? Just turn the screw. Okay, well, I can do that. But see, that's, that's revelation. Amen. Uh, and they're, the people who provide that, they're worthy of their, of their pay, amen? I got no problem, you know, one time somebody sent me a bill and, and uh, they were, had done some work for us and they said, here's the bad news. I said, it's not bad news. I said, I got no problem paying people what they're worth, amen? No problem at all. I never think of it as bad news. It's bad news. It's not bad news. You know, thank you for your help, right? I, I, I didn't go into it going, well, you know, it should only cost a nickel. Oh, you cost $10. You know, uh, you're wrong. Uh, and so, so is, is, that a, uh, is that a good thing? Is revelation knowledge valuable? Uh, when Hezekiah was sick and he was near death, what did the Lord tell Isaiah to do? What did he tell him to put on his, on his boil? What do you think is a boil? But what did, what did he, it was a fig, right? Now, in that case, I don't, I don't know in particular that figs have got any medicinal purposes, but for that particular thing, a fig fixed the problem. Well, I mean, anybody know that? Nobody knew that. 
I mean, it could have been an orange peel, could have been a cucumber, right? Could have been a carrot. We don't know, right? Could have been anything, right? I mean, according to my doctor, you know, nuts and vegetables, it would have done the job, right? Uh, and so, um, but supernatural revelation showed them what to do. So we need to, we, we can see, we have the spirit of God in us. He said part of his ministry is to lead us and guide us in all truth and show us things to come. Supernatural revelation, amen? It's not always spectacular like he's going to part the Red Sea for you, but you don't always need to, to see part of it. Sometimes you just need a tree that's right next to you. Just, where, where do I get the tree? It's right there. Right there. Yeah, but it, right there. Ah, oh, okay. And how many times, you know, I know just in my own life, just, Lord, I didn't know that. I don't know. And a lot of things, if you'll just change this thing in your life, this thing will be better. Not, so it's not spectacular like he's going to intervene in some, some supernatural, beyond imagination way. But a lot of times, just the, the revelation of here's what to do is sufficient to get the job done. And that goes along with, with sickness and disease, too. A lot of times, a, a lot of things that we do, we bring it on ourselves, right? We, we have poor health habits, right? And, I, and I get that the balance of that is, is my confidence is not in my flesh. Well, if I eat nuts and vegetables and I walk 10,000 steps a day and get eight hours of sleep and drink all this water, no. But uh, I believe that uh, uh, by faith, I can live at 100% health. But if, if I start at 100%, then I may do things that, that mess that up. So if I just start eating donuts every day, every single day, right, for morning noon and night, right? The Lord may be like, hey, you're going to end up being short round with a hole in the middle if you don't, if you don't stop. So you need to back off because I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to mess up a good thing. And the Lord may say, you need to change that area of your life because you're out of balance. You're, you're, you have violated the principle of, of moderation. And so if you're violating the principle of moderation, then you're out of balance. And the Lord may say, you need to balance that in your life. Now, that may not be the same thing somebody else balances, right? Because they may eat one donut a year. And so, anything wrong with eating a donut a year? You do whatever the doctor says, right? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not prescribing you, well, the pastor said take one donut a year and God will provide miracles and healing. Uh, that, I'd have never said that, right? Uh, but that revelation that you need to know, see, there may be things that you need to do because everybody's body is different, right? Your DNA is different than my DNA. And there may be things that, not, but you may not know that, Supernaturally, and I, and I'll tell you this story, and we'll go. I remember one time, one of our kids, they were, uh, they were in high school, and, and generally speaking, they were very healthy. But just every now and then, just all of a sudden, they would just, just get sick, like thrown up sick. Like just, I mean, five seconds, they were, they were good. Next five seconds, they were thrown up. Like, that's really weird, right? That's just, I mean, that's just, you know, perfectly healthy, right? Athletic, strong, you know, all these things. But just all of a sudden, just bam. And so we're just driving down the road one day, and I'm, not, I'm in the back seat. Uh, Chris and, and, and the child was in the front seat, and just the Lord spoke to me. It's low blood sugar. Uh, and, and so to fix low blood sugar, you know, the problem with low blood sugar, just naturally speaking, right? I'm not confessing to somebody, but the, the way blood, low blood sugar works is you don't eat consistent a diet, and so, you know, your body processes all the sugar that it can very quickly, and then it's gone. And then you crash, right? Because sugar, you need sugar, right? I mean, not like just like scoops of white processed sugar. Just, you need sugar. That's how your, your body, basically your body converts everything to sugar as energy. That's, I mean, no matter what you eat, it eventually converts it to sugar for energy. Uh, and, you know, uh, it, I'm not going to go into all the biology of that. But so the issue, so, so the, the fix was 
just make sure they always eat a little something more often during the day than other people eat, right? So they, so they have consistent food being processed by their body. And, and since then, as long as they do that, this has been 20 years. As long as they do, not 20 years, but probably been 15 years, as long as they stay perfectly healthy, right? Now, did, I, did, did a doctor diagnose that? No, the Spirit of God diagnosed that, right? Now, is there a cure for that? Well, I believe that by faith they could overcome that so they don't have to have that particular lifestyle where they always have to make sure they have food on their stomach and, and, that, but they, can, and they can use faith to overcome that. But see, that's the body they were assigned, right? That's the body, not by God, but by the DNA of, of me and Chris, right? Uh, and there was some flaw. I don't have low blood sugar. Chris doesn't have low blood sugar. But there was some flaw that was... Uh, now, I'm not confessing this over them. It's just the way it is right now. Uh, and, and so... But it was revelation, right? They don't take any medication for it. If they just do what, what the Spirit of God showed us, they're perfectly fine, right? Uh, and, you know, that's supernatural revelation. And that's valuable. We didn't have to pay a doctor to do that. No, no test to do that. Uh, and we, we eventually went to the doctor for a regular checkup and, and the doctor confirmed that. Yeah, you know, and, and, and so... Uh, it's not diabetes, which is the other, other problem. This is low blood sugar, right? So diabetes is too much, too much sugar, right? Uh, and so, so revelation knowledge. We'll finish up uh, Exodus 15 um, next year, right? So uh, we won't be here next Sunday. We'll be here two Sundays from now. Uh, and so, uh, so revelation knowledge to me is, is, is a part of the whole blessings of the Lord. Amen? We can have... It's nice when the Lord supernaturally, miraculously heals us, right? We're sick one day, and then the Lord supernaturally heals us. That's great. But uh, sometimes the Lord may say, hey, just adjust this right here. You're eating too much French fries, right? You're kind of greasy now, and, and uh, so stop eating so much French fries. He may tell you to do that, because that's what you need to do. And if that's what you need to do, then, then what I would encourage you is don't make that a crusade in your life against French fries, because if the Lord tells you not to eat French fries, has he told the entire body of Christ not to eat French fries? No. So, so there's a lot of things that the Lord will tell you that this is what you need to do. But then we want to put that on everybody else. Well, if I can't eat French fries, nobody else is going to eat French fries. You know? French fries will kill you. <laughs> well, they might kill you because the Lord told you not to eat them. But, you know, that doesn't mean they're going to kill everybody. And, and, it's, and it's not only that. Sometimes it's... One French fry wouldn't kill you, but you can't eat one French fry. You have to eat the entire bag, 50-pound bag of potato French fries, right? Just give me the whole bag. Just do the whole bag. How many French fries do you want? All of them. Uh, well, okay, then you need some help, right? Uh, and so is revelation knowledge of value to us? Is it available to us? I mean, it was available to the, to the nation of Israel. Don't we have a better covenant? We do, right? So the Lord could show us. Here's what you need to do. Here, you know, here's two things you need to do that uh, will make you healthier just immediately. Amen. Again, could you overcome those supernaturally and not have to have that limitation? Sure. Could you? I mean, I don't know why you'd want to believe God to eat a French fry. You know, my faith is to eat a French fry. But, you know, I mean, a friend of mine can't eat peanut butter. I'd probably have to apply faith for that one, right? Because it'd kill him. He, he's allergic. That, he's that allergic. If he ate a scoop of peanut butter, it would literally kill him, you know. And so, I don't know how he gets by in life. But he doesn't miss it because he never has eaten peanut butter because he's always been allergic to it. So, Let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. And, Father, we thank you for the revelation of God. We thank you that your spirit lives on the inside of us. And we have a right and privilege to divine revelation and insight, Father. That if there's a tree next to us that'll help, Father, we wouldn't know that except you show us. And so, Father, we thank you that you'll show us uh, both uh, by supernatural revelation, Father, what we can do. And you'll also show us how we can use uh, faith 
in, in, in any area of our life where we need supernatural intervention and a miracle. Father, you will provide both for us. You will provide the supernatural revelation when we need it. And Father, you'll provide the supernatural miracle when we also need that as well. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this, this afternoon's offering. And, you know, that, that uh, story with uh, Mara was, in that case, the Lord had provided supernatural revelation, right? Take this tree, put it in the water, fixes the water. But other times, he provided supernatural water, right, when he, when he struck the rock. Well, that's uh, how many rocks you strike and go, wow, there's an infinite amount of water there. You ever open up a rock and it just gushes out water? No, never. I mean, it's never happened to me ever, right? Never happened to you either because that was a supernatural, as a miracle. Amen. And so sometimes it's a miracle, but sometimes it's just revelation. Are both okay? Both, we're, we're fine with both of them. Amen. So come ahead, Mr. Jared. Receive the offering. So don't forget, uh, 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 next Sunday is Christmas, Christmas Day, right? And so we're not going to have church on, on that Sunday. So the next Sunday we're here will be January the 1st. Amen. So if you get here on Christmas Day, it's going to be cold, right? So, so if you get here and you're cold and you're mad at me, don't get mad at me, right? Because we're not going to be here. Uh, you know, and so um, I can't imagine you get mad at me, though. But um, if you get mad at me, we'll have, a, we'll have a prayer line later on when we get back and let everybody repent, right? But um, no, so we won't be here next Sunday. Uh, and, but we will be here Wednesday of this week, right? Uh, so Wednesday will be our last service for the year. And then we'll, we'll pick it back up on uh, January the 1st. Uh, and so, and we'll keep on progressing. You know, I've been working on the, the notes for the next book there. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it there. So, all right. Well, we bless. Stay healthy. Amen. Uh, and, and I was going to say, make sure you do all these natural things to stay healthy. Just follow what the Word says. Amen. And what the Spirit of God tells you to do. And you'll be fine. Amen. All right. We'll be blessed. We'll see you uh, two weeks from today.